0: Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for coming tonight. Maybe I could say Merry Christmas as well. I didn't anticipate, uh, whenever we were booking these deputation meetings back um, in October, that I would get the premium slot the last Tuesday before Christmas. But the person who normally gets this slot was very obliging and giving it up to me, and you can understand why they might have been so obliging. But it's great to be here, and I'm really encouraged by how many of you have come tonight in what is otherwise a very busy Um, Week just before Christmas, and it's an encouragement to us to know already your interest in Kenya and your interest specifically in Emma and I and our family as well. And so, we want to cover a lot of that tonight, um, explaining to you a little more generally about the missionary work in Kenya, and then uh, the bit you're maybe more interested in, specifically how Emma and I and our kids hope to slot into that work. Uh, when we go out there, God willing, next year. Um, And just to say that the plan for that is in September of next year, Um, it's not absolutely certain until we get closer to that point, but that's what we're planning for is September of next year. So the video tonight which we show will fill you in on a lot of that information in terms of Kenya and our particular role in that work. Um, And in that video, in a particular section of it, um, how the Lord (coughs) called us into that work, I mentioned that there was a particular passage of Scripture that the Lord kept bringing up again and again and again as I was reaching that point in final year of Bible college. And um, that passage is one that I want to look at with you tonight. Rather than that be something mysterious when it comes up in the video and you say, well, what was the the passage he was talking about? It's Acts chapter 8. And I want to study this um, portion with you tonight um, before we get into the details of Kenya. Bring some of the details out of that passage which are um, relevant to how the Lord spoke to me at that particular time, but um, it's much broader than that, not just in, in terms of the context of Kenya and missionary work. There's a lot for us to understand on the basis of this chapter and what the Lord did with Philip when it comes to the work of God in any part of the world, wherever it is and whatever role that is. Um, including this place, which we all call home. So there's something, I believe, for all of us here tonight. We're going to begin to read at verse 26 of this chapter. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, please. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth." And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And we'll finish our reading at the end of verse 35. Watching your children grow up is one of those experiences which is Somehow both, something that fills you with pride, but also frustration at the same times, especially because they start to get more and more independent. And so if your kids are like mine, you'll start to hear more and more phrases like, I can do it myself. I don't need any help let me do it, I can manage without you. And of course you're pleased that they're learning new skills and they're starting to um, develop a little bit in terms of maturity, but you also want to scream as you watch them spend 15 minutes putting their left sock on by themselves. And this is the great challenge of parenting. The I know what to do attitude is something that we try to encourage in our children uh, when it comes to growing up, but it's not a helpful attitude when it comes to Christian living I know what to do. In fact, very rarely could we ever say that, and yet we often need reminded of this fact that we don't know how to do it by ourselves, and we certainly don't know best. Instead, we should hand our lives over to the one who does know best. The situation here in Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is one that reminds us of that important fact, it's a series of events where it's only when we reach really towards the end of the chapter, around verse 35, where we stop tonight, that we realize God does know better than we do. His hand is over all of the events that are described in this passage and reminds us that we are rarely, if ever, in a position to say, I know what to do. That reminder is made so clear when we look, first of all, at Philip's call. Philip's call, it's described for us in verse 26. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And before we consider how that relates specifically to Philip, you can, I hope, see the relevance of that particular verse of Scripture to the circumstances I found myself in as I was coming to the end of college. And The Lord called me into college with an arise and go And he led me back out again with another arise and go, this time to the south, where um, Philip would eventually meet an African man in the desert. So you can see the relevance of the scripture. But when we think about Philip, he's been called in two senses. Like with any call that the Lord issues to a believer in the course of their life, there's a call away from something and there's a call to something, two aspects to the call. And that is certainly the case for Philip. He's been called away from something, or rather, more specifically, somewhere. That is Samaria. If you just look earlier in the chapter, you can see uh, the description of the events when Philip went to the city of Samaria. Verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. There was a great response to his gospel preaching in that city and the conclusion of it is really summarized for us in verse 8 when it says, there was great joy in that city. That is the environment from which Philip has now been called away, a place of gospel success, a place of great joy. A revival has taken place. Philip's been greatly used of God, and now he's called away from that. And humanly speaking, that doesn't make a great deal of sense to you and I. This is one of those situations where we might tend to say, I know what to do. I know what's best here. It's best to stay and to continue the work. The Lord's been blessing. Don't go anywhere. He's been called away from that. And it gets even more confusing when we see what he's been called to. Verse 26 describes it as the desert. That's what he's been called to. So he's leaving a city where there's lots of opportunities. There's lots of work to be done now to go to a desert where reasonably Philip might not expect to see even a single soul as he went down to that place. And yet he does what we so often find it hard to do. He obeys the God who knows better. And he does it. We all must do the same. Not go to the desert Most of us will never be called to do something like Philip did here, but we are all called to leave every part of our lives in his sovereign hands. Live by and pray for the leading of God. This is Philip's call. But then we read on as he's taken this call to leave Samaria and go down into the desert. And as we see what happens and unfolds in Acts chapter 8, we start to see how it actually makes an awful lot of sense. Because even though Philip might not have expected to see a single soul, he did see a soul in that desert. There is someone the Holy Spirit wants Philip to speak to. Look with me at verse 29. The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, And join thyself to this chariot. He comes across an Ethiopian man who, at that moment, was in his chariot and was reading the scripture. And the Spirit of God leads Philip to go to that man. You can see that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of missions. The Spirit of God led Philip into the desert in the first place, then led Philip to this particular man once he reached the desert. And if you were to read the rest of the chapter, chapter, you see that this Holy Spirit then catches Philip away again and takes him elsewhere for gospel opportunities. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of missions. And Philip, right at this moment, is exactly where the Spirit wants him to be, speaking to the exact person the Spirit wants him to be speaking to. You think about... Um, the events here and the circumstances here. This is something that you could not organize. No matter how um, adept you might be, no matter how much influence you might have, Philip could not have orchestrated an encounter like this in the desert. Coming across a chariot with a man inside who at that moment happened to be reading the scriptures, and the portion of scripture which he happened to be reading at that very moment was one that allowed Philip a great opportunity to preach Christ to that man. You could not orchestrate that, but a sovereign God can, and he did. This is not random. This is the appointment of a sovereign God. It's a reminder to us that no matter how obscure the circumstances, No matter how unlikely the means, God makes absolutely sure, without even a hint of failure, to keep every single one of the promises he has made to every single one of his elect people. They will hear the gospel. They will see Jesus Christ, and they will believe on him for salvation. Whether it's the multitudes who were living in the hustle and bustle of a city like Samaria or whether it's an individual man traveling through the desert on a chariot, God has an appointment for every single one, from every single nation, in every single age of history. This was Philip's appointment, prepared by a sovereign God. But that appointment wasn't just so that these two could meet each other and become friends there's a purpose behind this particular meeting. What it's really all about is the conversation between these two men, which allows Philip an opportunity to share a message. We've seen Philip's call, Philip's appointment, now Philip's message, which is summarized very simply in verse 35. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip's message First thing I want you to notice there isn't something he's dreamt up by himself. This isn't Philip's philosophy, or Philip's scheme. This is the message of Scripture. His message comes from that source. And this was the work God had for him to do in the desert, to minister to this man's spiritual needs by explaining the meaning of the Word of God to him. Something that we must always remember in missionary work. This man traveling through the desert, no doubt he was well-educated. He probably had um, excellent health and wealth as well, but still the Spirit of God saw that he had great need beyond and above those things because he did not understand the Word of God. That is why Philip, the missionary, was sent. That was the need that not just Philip, but every missionary must have in the forefront of their minds, opening the Word of God, so that spiritual need might be met. And what is the meaning? You see, this man, by his own admission, he didn't understand the scripture that he was reading. He asked Philip if he would be able to give him any guidance, and it's only here in verse 35 that he's given the key to understanding the Word of God. You see, it's not that this man didn't understand the meaning of the words or the structure of the sentences, or even the historical context of the passage he was reading, he missed something very important, and it's only when Philip preached Jesus to this man that he understood the meaning of God's Word. Without seeing the Christ of the Word, no one will ever truly understand Scripture. Whether we understand all the other bits, whether we're like this man and we're maybe involved in worship, going up to Jerusalem, that's what this man had been doing, and he was returning again from the outward ritual acts of worship. He had the words of Scripture in his hand, but until he saw Christ, it meant nothing. He understood nothing. He had absolutely nothing. It's still the same today, here in Balamina, or in Kenya, or in so many other parts of the world. All those outward bits and pieces of a small c Christianity can be there, all present and correct, but if Christ is missing, then we've missed it all. It's not Christianity if we've missed Jesus Christ. That's why this is Philip's message, the preaching of Jesus. God is still calling people like Philip, He's still giving them appointments, He's still putting in their mouths a message. All to fulfill those plans and that promise to save his chosen people out of every tongue, tribe, and nation. Have his name worshipped from all the ends of the earth. May our vision for the lost of this world match the Lord's vision for the lost of this world. May he call and use every single one of us as part of fulfilling that vision in all parts of this world. May he give us sovereign appointments. May he use us to take the message of Christ far. May his kingdom be extended for his own glory. That's our prayer for Kenya. And I hope tonight that by the end of this meeting, it will be your prayer for Kenya specifically as well.